Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Can we take a moment just to give thanks to the Lord for all He's done? You know, even um, as we talk about, about giving, every time we talk about giving, we also uh, I think about praying for the prayer needs. And had someone text me uh, while I was praying, and can you text me while, you're, while I'm praying? Yes, because I'm probably praying for you. So, <laughs> and uh, didn't want to share his name, but just wanted to, we've been praying for a job, for a job and for provision, because this giving through worship and giving thanks is all part of that. And his response, I'm going to open up so I don't misquote it, because this was just so powerful. Do you like hearing good testimonies? He said, hey, Pastor Dwayne, he said, I have another testimony. He said, I got a job this past week, amen? And there's, he said, it's a job truly beyond what I could have imagined, right in line with my training. He said, I've been looking and applying to many, many jobs over the last year and a half. Praise God for his faithfulness, amen? Don't give up, don't give up. And he said, God continues to work mighty, mighty miracles. He is a God of love, redemption, and mercy. Can we give thanks to the Lord for that? Because, and here's what I found. I found that in the middle of that, as I was praying earlier, there's times we ask the Lord, you know, whatever we want, we, we bring it to the Lord. And there's times it happens right then. That's what I ask for, just so you know. I say, Lord, right now. I want it right now. <laughs> but there's times when there's a long gap. Anybody, anybody experience the gaps, or is it just my, my life? Where there's gaps that come through, and there's times, and you're like, God, are you there? Are you, are you listening? Do you care, God? That's where the enemy would try to sow seeds of doubt. But James reminds us that, no, count it all joy because God is working and he's using this to strengthen you. There is a purpose in everything when we surrender to the Lord. The enemy will try to tell you it's cruel, but God is saying, I'm preparing you because there's a greater purpose. There's a greater thing at work here, and I'm getting you ready. So welcome to the gym. <laughs> welcome to the workout. Welcome to, you know, welcome to your graduate uh, class here today as we, as we talk about how we work through and how we walk through. So I, I share that with you. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. God is working, and, and when it happens, tell us so we can celebrate. Amen, amen. So, Father, again, we give thanks for what you're doing, and we rejoice. And, Lord, whether, whether we're uh, in that season of we see it or we're praying to see it, Lord, open our eyes. Is that your prayer today? Just pray that. Lord, open my eyes today. Open my heart. And, Lord, as the prophets have often prayed, strengthen my knees, strengthen my hands. Give me a new grip so that I don't lose heart and I don't miss what you're doing. So we learned the lesson of Peter. We're not going to focus on the waves. We're going to focus on Jesus. And though waves hit us, we will not be knocked over because we're trusting you. And everyone said together, amen, amen. amen. Get out your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew. We're looking at Matthew chapter 16, and this is our text that we're using to underscore our series on Give It Away. And the title from this came from the words of Jesus. Let's read this together, Matthew 16. Would you read this with me as the words come up on the screen? Let's read together. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? 
Is anything worth more than your soul? No, no, nothing is worth more than your soul. So as we have headed in, we're, it's hard to believe we're, we're in week five. Isn't that crazy? We're in February already, okay? So week one, we began with prayer, talking about how we give it away through prayer. And again, then, and another plug for join us at, five, at six o'clock tonight for Encounter in the Chapel. Love to pray with you. Week two, we talked about fasting, right? Fasting, the, as Alicia Scholey says, it's the thinning of our lives to thicken our communion with God. Week three, sharing your faith. And, and let me encourage you to keep praying for that, keep pushing through on that. It will not only change the lives of those that you're, that you're pouring Jesus into, but it will change your life. Scary, but fun. Week four, last week we talked about the church and all of these words, these are great words, but the word that we're going to talk about to today, you know, uh, I just want to kind of put it in context because it can be a little bit of a trigger word for some people, you know, as we talk about this aspect of giving and generosity. But when we look at the Bible and how often the Bible talks about it, um, it's important to note that when the Bible talks about believing, that word believe shows up 272 times. When we talk about prayer, is prayer important? Yes. Prayer is very important. Join me tonight at 6 p.m. in the chapel, okay? (laughs) Prayer is very important. The Bible talks about prayer 371 times. How about love? The Bible says that God is love, right? So love, very important word. The Bible mentions this 714 times. So we've gone from high 200s to the high 300s to love to 700. When the Bible talks about giving, this shows up 2,152 times, okay? So if you're put off by giving, the Bible's going to be a tough book for you. And it is, because this is totally countercultural. But it's so important as we gather together today, it's important to recognize that Shoreline Community Church and the body of Christ, uh, wherever the gospel is preached, churches are built. The Apostle Paul, he built churches as we talked about last week. And these and churches, as we come together, there's this biblical premise, this biblical teaching that we give, that we're generous with, our, with, our, with finances, with resources, with time, with talents. And, and just this is Exhibit A, Shoreline Community Church. We exist because some, a group of people got together and they were very generous way back in 1940. And this has become a place where over the decades now, all 1940, isn't, isn't that crazy? How many are looking forward to our 100th anniversary? Man. But this exists because people got together and they were generous. They gave sacrificially. And as a result of this now, over 80 years, we've, this community has launched missionaries around the world. This community has built families, has built kids that, that have now grown up and, and they're in the community and they're making a difference for God. We have built uh, schools around the world. We've built, uh, we just opened a tech school that we we're a part of down in Honduras. And we're getting ready to, to send, uh, I, think, I think, 50 computers to do a computer lab down there. I mean, this, and again, that's, it's, it's the result of God moving. And when God moves and you recognize what God does, there's this generosity that comes through. That's why every week when we talk about giving, it's not coercive, we, but we, we take a moment to pause and to say, God, thank you. Thank you for 
what you've entrusted to me. Thank you for what you're doing. And for Stephanie and I, we've made it a practice throughout our lives where the, the first, uh, it's not a check anymore. You know, if you say, go find your checkbook, I'd be like, good luck. Everything's, everything's, everything now is, is digital. But the first thing that, that comes out is, is, is our tithes. We, 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 we give our tithes, that first 10% to the Lord and say, Lord, this is yours, we give it. And then we have automated for our, our missions. We, we give missions. When I show up Sunday morning, it says, yep, here's your missions giving, Pastor Dwayne. And, and then when the opportunities come up to give, we give towards that. Now, I, I tell you that not to say how great I am because I am not. But I tell you that from a biblical premise that I have read about, I've been taught about, I've struggled with at times, right? But as I've leaned into it, I've seen the Lord moving in that. And I think one of the greatest examples of that has been, in my life has been my dad. My, my dad's turning 96 years old this month, okay? And um, I would say he wouldn't mind me sharing this, but he's not listening anyway, so. Um, but he, but He's to a point where if I call him after 6 o'clock, sometimes I have to wake him up while I'm talking to him. That's not very encouraging, is it? But in the middle of it, recognizing his age, recognizing where, where he is, I can't tell you how, how many times that, that, that I call him, and he talks about giving to the Lord, even as he's in this extended care. He talks about giving to the Lord, giving to the Lord, serving the Lord. At 96 years of age, Not a wealthy man by the world's standards, but wealthy and rich and deep in his walk with the Lord. See, my my dad lived a life of just planting and planting and giving. And that's what the Bible talks about. When the Bible talks about generosity, as I I shared earlier, you know, over 2,000 times, but I love how the Apostle Paul says this, and he's he's borrowing from the teachings of Jesus in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, as he talks about this aspect of generosity with the body of Christ. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives what? Cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that, that's where Pastor Bob would go, dun-dun-dun-dun, right? All Pastor Bob fans, my predecessor, right? He would say, anytime you see so that, that's like a trumpet saying, pay attention here. So that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So we give thanks to you, God, for all you've done in your name. Amen. Amen, and God bless you.
As we talk about generosity today, we want to start off by saying in everything that we do, we look to God. God, we were made in his image, and so we look to God to know how to live. And as it relates to generosity, we need to recognize that generosity, this is an attribute of God. See, one of the things we need to pay attention to in this analogy is that it says very clearly that it's God who provides the seed. You can't make seed. I can't make seed. But God, he gives us the seed. And the seed is essential because without the seed, there's no harvest. God also made the ground to plant it in. Because without the ground to plant the seed in, there's no harvest. And it's God who gives us the strength and he gives the ability of the farmer to plant because if the farmer doesn't have strength and ability and if there's no ground then to put the seed in and there's no seed, then there's no harvest. And then God is the one who provides the sun, he provides the rain, and provides everything that we need. So in other words, without everything that God gave us, if he doesn't give it, we don't have it. Because he gives it all. He gives it all. Everything that we have, everything that's around us, has been provided by God. Why? Because he's generous. He's generous. And he gives this to us. See, when you look at who God is, generosity, it's a key descriptor of how God behaves. And this goes all the way back to Genesis. I love, you know, one of my favorite hymns that we sang today was All Creatures of Our God and King. Man, I love that song. I've done so many arrangements of it. And it is amazing. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing, oh, praise him. See, this is the result of the creation that God made. And he made creation to worship him. And I love how it says in the, in, in the Bible, it, it depicts this picture of how God gave life to Adam and Eve, where he, he created humanity, he created all of us. But then on that day, right, on, on that birthday, it says that God then entrusted creation to humanity. What a gift. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make beings in our image to be like us. They will reign, they will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. And I want to point out, this happened in the beginning where he entrusted it. And I also want to point out that he entrusted it to us even though he knew that we would make mistakes. He, he entrusted it. He made us stewards even though he knew that we would make mistakes. That we would, And by we, I don't mean Adam and Eve, right? I mean Dwayne, I mean... All y'all. He, he knew we would make mistakes. I mean, hopefully no parent goes into parenting going, my child's going to be perfect and make no mistakes. May the Lord bless you and keep you. See, God's generosity is not cut off because we make mistakes. Aren't you thankful? And not only that, God's Generosity continues to grow because even when we make mistakes, he's faithful as we turn to him to forgive us. He gave his son, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He gave. And then Jesus, he continually showed us and he modeled for us this act of generosity by giving away generously to everybody that he came across with. People that he knew were enemies, people that he knew were kind of seekers, people who were confused, people that he knew would misquote him. Do you know how hard it is to speak to somebody that you know they're going to go out and say, I said something different? Jesus was generous. 
He gave his time. He gave his healing. He gave his redemption. He gave his life. And he did this to teach us how to lead. And as it relates to generosity and the life of Jesus, Jesus talked often about money because money, if it's not surrendered to the Lord, it can control us. That's why 16 of his 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and our possessions. And in the, in the Gospels, an amazing one out of ten verses, that's a tithe, deal directly with the subject of money. Now, why, why would Jesus spend so much time talking about generosity and, and giving? I believe Jesus did this because it speaks to the heart, and it speaks to the, one of the main things that can hang us up, that can cause people to give. You know, I've, I've even seen times before when I've talked about giving and tithing, someone said, I knew it, and they get up and they walk out. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's something the enemy has used to try to discourage us. Because generosity, it reveals ownership. Our generosity, or lack thereof, it reveals who we believe has ownership. That's why as it relates to generosity, generosity begins by having the right perspective on ownership. In other words, who owns it all? See, how we view our possessions, right? Our time, how we view our talents, the abilities that we have, and our finances it's going to determine how we use them. See, the big question as it relates to all of this, the big question is, is who owns them? In other words, am I the owner of this or am I the steward of this? Because see, an owner, when, when you believe that, that you're the owner and, you, and you've got it all, you're going to be acting out for your own interests, for my interests, for my protection, for my safety. But a steward, which is what the Bible teaches, a steward looks out for the interests of the owner. See, as long as I think that I'm the owner of this, I'm going to struggle with generosity. If I think that I own Shoreline Community Church, I don't. <laughs> We're going to struggle as a church. No, I'm not. I'm an entrusted steward. We are all entrusted stewards. See, Jesus, he settled this question of ownership. And he said repeatedly, time and time again, that we belong to God. And I think one of the ones that I connect with the most in how Jesus explained this is he explained it by saying that the image of something reveals the owner of something. Look at this interaction in Matthew twenty-two fifteen. 15. It says, then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him with his words. Okay, so they got together, they strategized, how can we, how can we get Jesus? And they, and they sent their disciples, so they, they sent their other people to go get him. <laughs> you know, here's the plan, you, you guys go do it. Uh, to him, along with the Herodians, saying, tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Remember, a tax collector was one of the most hated people. They often, they tax and then they overtax to get money for themselves. So, they were trying to trap him and trick him in this. But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to, him, said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. 
And when they heard it, they marveled and they left him and they went away. Don't miss what Jesus is saying here. See, they were trying to trick him to say something against Caesar. And if they said something bad against Caesar, then they're like, well, then Caesar's going to get him. Or maybe he's going to say something else that would just pull him over here. And They were trying to create all these traps and booby traps. They thought they had the perfect trap. And then Jesus, in the middle of it, stands up and says, you're made in the image of God. You are owned by God. The image reflects the owner. We've been made in the image of God. We call it the Imago Dei, the image of God. God's mark is on us. That's why we say, if you want to see what God looks like, look at your neighbor. What an opportunity I just gave you to encourage somebody. Every human, every nation, every tribe, made in the image of God. And see, Paul, he echoes this ownership in 1 Corinthians when he says, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies, the things that you do, the actions that you take. Honor God in this way. See, the entire Bible, it declares God's ownership. When it says, it says things like in, like in the psalm, when the psalmist says, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. And it also says in Psalm 50, it says, every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. See, our struggle as it relates to generosity, it's ownership because we want to be the owner instead of God. <laughs> And even sometimes we'll say, God, thank you for this. Now I've got it, right? Mine, my precious. I'm working on my Smeagol impersonation. It's not ready yet. But what a picture of what that will turn you into. When you want to be the owner, it will consume you. If we operate as the owner, we're going to have trouble. I mean, look at Adam and Eve, exhibit A, the first exhibit. When they tried to retain ownership, they went from paradise to peril. We look at Samson. When Samson tried to retain ownership of his life, he went from powerful to being imprisoned. King Saul went from being king to to being crazy, even trying to defeat God's chosen heir to the throne. It's not a knowledge thing. It's a heart thing. See, as long as we try to be the owners, we're going to struggle. And the enemy knows this. That's why one of the big red herrings. How many are familiar with that saying, that's just a red herring? I know that it might be, there's sometimes I say things to my kids and they're like, we have no idea what you're saying, okay? Well, red herring used to mean that they're just trying to distract you. This is not the issue, but it's a red herring to try to make you think that it's an issue. That came from back in the hunting days when they were trying, when they would use dogs to hunt, right? They would use dogs to hunt. And if they were trying to get a dog off the scent, they would take herring. Now, I grew up in a fishing community. We had herring all the time. Nothing smelled like a herring. So they would take this herring, and they would bring it down another path because the dogs would be like, herring, and they would go after it, and they would miss the prize. They would miss the goal where they're trying to go. This is a red herring for the body of Christ. This is a red herring to the world because people think, oh, it's just about you just want money. No. <laughs> it's not about that. That's why for us when we talk about here, it's, we, it's an act of worship. It's something we do cheerfully and joyfully. No coercion. I'm the worst fundraiser ever. But when it's for the Lord, I can say, give it to the Lord. Give all glory and honor to the Lord. I can talk about Jesus, but I'm not a salesman. My dad was a great salesman. But when it comes to the Lord, there's an opportunity that we have 
Because see, God, he's not after your possessions. God, God owns everything already. If God just wanted your possessions, he could take it. <laughs> Do you know that? If he wanted it, he could just take it. He's almighty God. He's not after your possessions. He's not after your bank account. God is after your soul. God is after your heart. God is after the thing that lasts forever. The body fails, the body is dying, but the soul was made to last for eternity. Our bodies, hopefully 80 years. My dad's getting close to 100. I hope to have those types of things in my life. He had eggs and bacon every day, so I'm following his health plan. It's true. I'm not a doctor. Talk to a doctor. I'm just... These are the things where if you only knew the things I was not saying. So, See, if, if God wants it, he can just take it, but that's not what he's after. He's after our soul. Because God knows that whatever, whatever we hold on to, the things that possess, that we think we possess, they actually possess us. And he's out to restore his image in all of us. That's why generosity, it begins by having the right perspective on ownership, that we are owned by God. Because when we get that, then we're going to have the right response. See, right ownership, it results in the right response. And this is what Paul is talking about here. He said, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And then he says, look, Essentially, he's saying, there's no pressure here. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. But don't give reluctantly or don't give in response to pressure. If you're feeling pressure from me, don't give. This is not about me. This is about you. Because he, he says it clearly. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all that you need. God is faithful. He said, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. See, Paul is saying very clearly, look, God has given you seed. He's given you seed. And seed is opportunity, but the seed God has given you is only good if you plant it. We, we understand that, right? Right? It's, the seed only fulfills its purpose if it is planted. You know, that's, this, this was a big life lesson that my mom told me when I was a little kid, right? I would often be in church, and I've shared this before, that, you know, it's, it's very ironic that I'm, I'm a pastor. Because when I was a kid, I would tell my mom things like this. When I get old enough, I'm never going to go to church again. I'm, this is so boring. You know, and th this is when I was like this high, right? <laughs> and, I, and I would say, Mom, I'm so bored. And Mom, without missing a beat, I was... I was number eight, so she's, she's no newbie here. And I'd be bored, and, and, and she looked at me, and she said, Dwayne, you only get out of it what you put into it. In other words, what she's saying is that if you invest nothing, you're going to get nothing. In other words, boredom, what mom was saying, that's not my problem. I'm not your entertainer. I'm not your clown. I'm your mom who's leading you and teaching you. And if you're bored, that's on you. Because here's the thing. I found in my life, from that lesson that has echoed in my heart ever since then, mom, just so you know, everything you say to your kids, it seems like they're not listening. They're listening. 
And the Holy Spirit will bring back the words of a mom. The Holy Spirit will bring back the words of a dad as you grow and as you faithfully just keep speaking them, keep loving them, keep encouraging them, and keep speaking the truth in love because the Holy Spirit will work through that. That wasn't part of my message. That's just part of my life. Because here's the thing as it relates to that. What she's saying is that if you're bored, that means your investment is low. Because I've found this in every situation. When I walk into a situation, if I'm investing, and I'm not talking about this money here, I'm talking about I'm showing up. I'm working hard to be on time. Whatever I have, God, you know, if I have a gift to sing, if I have a gift to play, if I have a gift to open the door, I'm going to open the door and say, welcome today. If whatever that is, whatever I have opportunity to do, when I invest in that, my boredom is gone. Now, the reciprocal of that is also true. If I walk in, I'm doing nothing, I'm like, what's Pastor Dwayne going to say to me today? I hope you can just kind of get those hockey tears going for me today, buddy. You're going to be bored. Because I'm not good enough. <laughs> I'm not. If you're looking for a show, you're going to be bored. If you're looking just for all these prompts and all these things, you're going to be bored. And, and I'm going to tell you that even if you're watching the most incredible artists out there, at some point, if that's all that it is for you, you're, you're, you're going to be bored. But when you show up and you're, you're ready to give, you're ready to invest, you're ready to receive, now, that's an exciting place. When you're going, God, speak to me today. Show me something today that I can take out. You know, God, I fill out this card and I put three people on it today. Show me today. Encourage me today. Uh, show me an opportunity. And now show me how to speak. Pastor Dwayne, talk to the New Believer's Bible. I'm going to get one of those so I can start showing and I can start walking it through with somebody. That's exciting. Why? Because now you're invested. See, Boredom is the result of a lack of investment. Excitement is the result of a high investment. In other words, it's up to you. Because see, the harvest depends on how, how you plant. Because here's the thing. God's word is going to go forward. God's going to build his kingdom. God wants to reach all of the children out there that don't know him because he loves them. But the question is, are you going to be a part of it? Am I going to be a part of it? Am I going to get to engage with what God is doing? Because as it relates to this, Paul identifies two key things in here. He says several things. First of all, he says that the amount, how much I invest, determines how much I harvest. And he's not tying it to a dollar amount. Because the example that he uses, he uses someone who has money, and he uses somebody that by all standards would not have money. This is found in Luke chapter 21 when, when he says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts where they would come up and just drop their gifts in the box, right? And we know from studying this that we go through that a lot of times rich people go, they would often use coins, so go clang, 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 right? Clang, 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 clang. And looking around going, see how much I'm giving today. He said, then a poor widow came by. And drop two small coins. Clang, clang. And he said, I'll tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Do you see the lesson here? It's not about money. It's about your heart. 
You know, last week, Pastor Stephanie had a missions interest meeting, talking about trips all over the world. And though we go there to give, I always receive more than I ever give. Because I've been to some of the poorest parts of the world, and I go in there, and I see this impoverished people, and they're responding like this widow, and they give everything, and salvation is happening, and the Holy Spirit is moving, and they're building things to help invest in the system, and they're having influence, though they are the poorest of the poor. Why? It's the heart. You get in these communities with people that they've given everything to God. They've let go of everything and saying, God, whatever it is, I want to give it to you. Because again, generosity, it's about being faithful with what you have, that complete surrender to God. So it's saying, God, you give me a seed, I'm, I'm going to plant it. I can't wait to see what you're going to do with this seed. But Paul, he also leans into attitude. See, my attitude in giving is so important. Because he says in 2 Corinthians 9, he's like, don't give reluctantly, don't give in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. In the book of James, it says it this way. He says, you don't have what you want because you didn't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Our lives are a roller coaster up and down. God is looking to move. And the Bible even says the eye of the Lord goes to and fro the earth looking to move in the hearts of those who are committed to him. He's saying, who's ready? Who's ready? Who's ready? Because I got a lot of seeds and I want them to be planted. Who's ready to till the soil? Who's ready to take the rocks out? Who's ready to do the hard work? Who's ready to go out and water when it's in a dry season? Who's ready that when we start seeing weeds come up that you're going to go out and say, no, 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 that's a red herring, and now you know what red herring means. But you're going out and saying, we're going to pull these weeds out. I want these new Christians, these baby Christians, to know what it means to follow God. This is what generosity is about. It's not about me, it's about God. That's why generosity, it's an act of worship. See, when the Bible talks about worship, it's this physical descriptor of someone who they've, they've, they've just knelt and they've laid down in the presence of, of the king, King Jesus, and saying, I give you everything. Everything is yours. This is what worship is. Worship is not sitting back and going, if I don't get enough bass today, forget it. And I've shared this story before. One of our precious saints who's now gone on, you know, Ida Dilling, when I was a worship pastor 20 years ago, yes, I used to do music way back. I would remember like when we would do a new song, right? Because we, 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 there would be times when if it was a hymn, someone you know, was like, yes, yes, the presence of the Lord is going. And if I introduced a new song, it would be like, I don't know about that. I, Ida Dilling was like this every, every time. And a smile. Do you remember Ida's smile? Oh my gosh. Don't get me going on that. And I went to her 20 years ago. I said, I, I just got to tell you, as a worship leader, it is so encouraging to look out and, and whatever song I'm doing, you're, you're just smiling like this. And she said, well, Pastor Wayne, as long as you sing about Jesus, why wouldn't I? <laughs> you're singing about Jesus. I love Jesus. What a lesson. What a lesson. 
You're singing about Jesus. I've given my life to Jesus. I've surrendered my life to Jesus. It's an act of worship. That's why Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And when Paul describes the gifts given, he describes it as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable to God. That's why the Apostle Paul, when he was teaching the Corinthian church, all these churches he planted, this was a common lesson, as he's teaching them that one of his tests was their level of generosity. This is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where the, the sincerity of a people's love for God was often tested in their generosity. Again, not just finances. Are you helping those that are in need? Are you encouraging those who are down? Are you visiting those who are sick and saying, man, I'm praying for you, can I, how can I walk with you? They, they were generous in all that they did. I mean, when we think about all that God has done for us, how could we not give? You know, as the worship team comes, I want to end just with this, this last point. And I lean into it a little bit last week, but, you know, as we talk about how, you know, God is a generous God, and we need to have that right perspective that we're not the owners, we're the stewards, and we need to have this right response Well, it begs the question, you know, where's the right place? And biblically, when you look at the Bible, that giving starts at the local church. Giving starts right here with the body of Christ. Because the church, it was Jesus' idea. As we talked about last week, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is the body of Christ. Wherever the gospel is preached, the church is built and sustained and initiates the ministry through a body of Christ that generously gives everything. They're like, I'm a hand, I'm going to be a hand here, I'm a foot, I'm going to be a foot. If all I am is an ear ligament, I'm going to do that for the glory of God. Because no one is more important or less important than the other. This was Jesus' idea. That's why I'm here. That's why I can't wait to get here because I'm so excited about what the Lord is doing. I see all the things that are happening. I'm seeing that we're, I just, I just got word that our permitting should be done within the next month or two for the coffee house. Amen? Oh, glory to God. <laughs> I see what he's doing with new people coming in, how they're jumping in and being generous, giving of their talents. We have people welcoming you that they've only been here just, just a couple of months. And they're like, what can I do to get involved? I'm seeing people who have been here for decades, who have gone on all kinds of missions trips. They're at the missions interest meeting going, man, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to go on the next one. We have people who generously give. When the roof leaks, I've got people calling, hey, it's a bad storm. How's that roof doing, Pastor Dwayne? People loving babies in the nursery. People making coffee. People going out, sharing their faith. This is the will of the Lord. The Great Commission is initiated here. And in, 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 in a world where there's so many stats, the stats are now clear that when you separate yourself from the body of Christ, you're separating yourself from the mission of Christ. It may seem good for a while, but long term, 
your views of God change, your disciplines in walking with faith change. Everything changes when you're not connected to the body because you connect the hand, the hand does not survive apart from the body. This will shape you, the body will challenge you, the body will irritate you. My body irritates me. (laughs) But I work on it. That's what we do. See, this whole aspect of tithing, of bringing the first 10% to the storehouse to the local church, when Jesus talked about it, he talked about it as something that was just commonly done, commonly understood. Because he said, when you tithe. He didn't say, if you tithe. or He didn't say, you should think about tithing. He said, no, when you tithe, it was a common thing. In the Old Testament, this was a commandment. But now in the New Testament, Paul says, no, these laws that God gave us to show us how to walk, to show us how to live, to show us how to connect with him, now through Jesus, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, these should be written on your hearts without coercion, cheerfully to the Lord. See, every time that we give here, every time that we give here, it supports everything that you see. The youth ministry, the children's ministry, the greeting, the, the initiatives that, that we do, this wonderful building that we're saying, man, let's build this community. Let's invite people into experience and to grow in the love of Christ so that... We can now run to the streets and we can go out and we can share the love of Christ in all that we do. And then we come back and say, I need strengthening. I got beat down this week. I got, man, I I had some questions I didn't know the answer to. And so you go start talking to people and say, hey, can you pray for me? Help me. I'm going to go back to this person. They asked me a question and I'm going to say, I don't know the answer. Let me go find out. And now I'm going to, can we get together again for coffee? Or can we meet right here? This is the body of Christ. This is what the Lord does. And it all comes back to Matthew 10, 39. And Jesus said this. He said, whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. All of the purposes of God are found in this. Amen? Amen? Holy Spirit, thank you for filling us strengthening us, for speaking to us, for giving us an opportunity to be, to be used in the kingdom of God. I recognize this life is just a vapor. This is like preschool to the rest of our lives where we will spend eternity, billions, trillions, forever with the Lord. So Lord, may we be faithful in this moment. In this moment, amen? Amen. You know, one of the great il- illustrations is, is communion. If you would take that cup that hopefully you got as you, as you came, came in today. And uh, if I could have one, one of my friends bring me a cup. Hey, Marlon, could I grab, grab, grab one of those? After you serve back there. Communion. We offer communion every week at the tables where as a response you can come forward. But we walk through it every month, the first Sunday, because we don't want this just to kind of blow by us. But as we relate, what a great day as we talk about generosity. That this, the last supper that Jesus had, he takes the bread and he breaks it and he says, this is my body. This is what generosity looks like. My body broken for you. My body broken given for you.
Jesus didn't have to do it. He could have stopped it at any point. He could have called down legions and just destroyed. And his disciples would have been like, finally. Thank you, Marlon. But his heart was that every person would have an opportunity to be reconciled to God. And so he takes the bread, and I encourage you to do this. Just tip it over, peel it back, and just take this little cracker. I know the bread Jesus had was better. (laughs) But Jesus took it and he broke it. Let me encourage you to do that. And as you break that, I want you to think about how Jesus, he generously gave his life. He didn't shield the pain. He experienced real pain. He suffered, bled, and died. He said, my body was broken for you. And he did that to show them what he was about to do, to explain what he was about to do. But he also did that to disciple them. Because disciples would often come and say, they'd question him about, you know, do we have to go through this kind of stuff? Do we have to do this? And the Bible is very clear. Don't think it's strange when hardships come. (laughs) You're in a broken world. He gave his life. And now as followers of Christ, We deny ourselves, we take up our cross, but we break it giving thanks because Jesus promised that in that moment, he is with us. He's in the fiery furnace. He's in the lion's den. He's out walking on the waves. His body was broken for us, so can we give thanks? Jesus gave thanks. Would you thank the Lord for giving his life? Father, we don't want this just to be rote or ritual, but Father... Thank you for giving your son. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. While I was a sinner, while I was rejecting you, you gave your life. Now, Lord, as I receive this today, Lord, I receive it as a, as a commitment to you. To deny myself, to follow you, to give you everything. Everything I have is yours. Use it, Lord. God, this community is yours. Lord, use us. Lord, I pray that we would embrace this invitation to lose our life so that we can gain it. Lord, to give up the temporary pleasures of this life so that we can invest in eternity. So one day when I show up to heaven, Lord, I want to see people who are there because of the ministry, because of the faithfulness of of the, the body of Christ, giving for you so the world might know. So thank you, Jesus. We receive this now as a rededication of our life to you. Let's receive this together. Mm. Thank you, Lord. And in the same manner, he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood. Given for you. And he he used the key word remember because his disciples forgot all the time. I mean, Jesus said the same thing over and over and over again. And we're no different. We we forget. He said, every time you eat, every time you drink, do this in remembrance of me, what I've done, what I would do through you. I love that D.L. Moody quote, the world has yet to see what the Lord would do to someone who's completely surrendered. He said, may I be that person. I think about healing. Father, as we get ready, to receive this cup, 
Jesus, I thank you for the work of healing that you're doing, what you've done, what you're doing, and what you've yet to do. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today who are in need of healing. Amen. And just in this moment before you drink, just if you need healing, just pray that prayer. Lord, heal me today. Heal me today. Heal this situation. Strengthen me today. Empower me today to do your will. We receive this as we give thanks. Thanking you for your healing, whether it's right now or whenever it is. You are God. I'm not the owner. You are. Help us to steward well, I pray, in your name. And everyone said together, amen. Let's, let's receive this cup today. Let's say this together. Be the fire in my heart. Be the wind in these sails. Be the reason that I live. Yes, Jesus, Jesus, how we trust you. So, Lord, help us now to walk. Lord, to apply this word to our heart as recognizing we're not the owners, you are. And, Lord, how powerful that is. Let your strength be perfected in us. Show us, teach us, speak to us, Lord. As we move forward in this new season, Lord, being the people you've called us to be, generously giving wherever we go, our time, our talent, our attention, practicing it here, practicing it in our home, practicing in the workplace, in school, wherever we go, Lord, giving attention, listening to you, being used. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said together. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. And uh, give all glory to God. All glory to the Lord. Thank you for being here today. And again, encourage you to join us tonight in the chapel, 6 o'clock for prayer. It's just an hour. Help you be awake a little bit and kind of stir the fire a little bit. Hope to see you there. Be praying. If you haven't turned in a, a list of people that you're praying for yet, turn that in. Let's pray together. We're going to be praying over that tonight, praying over the ministry, praying for this next season. But as we go, this is our benediction. Let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. I love you all. God bless.